From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in and making us part of your day. Well, coming up on this Monday edition, among the many pressing issues before Congress with Christmas just around the corner is the question of additional funding for Ukraine. Any member of Congress who does not support funding for Ukraine is voting for an outcome that will make it easier for Putin to prevail. That is, a vote against supporting Ukraine is a vote to improve Putin's strategic position. That's just an inescapable reality. That was White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan earlier today. While President Biden wants more money for Ukraine, Republicans on Capitol Hill are saying all they want for Christmas is border security. The American people, whether Republican, Democrat or independent, just want a secure border. I don't run into many people that want no immigration. They just want legal immigration. People want a legal, orderly process, not the chaos that we currently have on our southern border. That shouldn't be too tall of an order to be able to fulfill. That was Oklahoma Senator James Langford, who is a part of the Senate negotiations on the Ukraine funding bill. Of course, that is not the left's view. This is not about addressing the border. This is about destroying the immigration system, something they have not been able to do through regular order. So they want to try and trade destruction of the asylum system for aid for Ukraine. That's just outrageous. That was Progressive Caucus Chairperson Pramila Jayapal on CNN's State of the Union yesterday. We're going to talk with Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett in just a moment about Ukraine and the border. The state of Ohio scored a victory in the courts against the Biden administration's pro-abortion policies on Friday. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost joins me in studio to explain. And the left, they never cease to amaze me. Mike Johnson and what he believes is one of the greatest threats we have today to the United States. This is a, a bigger threat than al-Qaeda to this country. Uh, that was... Democrat political strategist and Clinton White House uh, advisor James Carville, Friday night on Real Time with Bill Maher. And I do think he was sober. A bigger threat than an organization of violent terrorists that have committed mass murder to advance their extremist goals? Really? Come on. But should we be surprised? Jesus warned us that those that hate God would hate us, too. And isn't that what we're seeing? We're going to talk about that with Ken Kulkowski, former senior counsel in the Civil Division of the U.S. Department of Justice during the Trump administration. And on a related note, Christy Stutzman, wife of former Congressman Marlon Stutzman, has a new book out, The Spiritual Price of Political Silence, Understanding the Role of Faith in America. She joins me later here in studio. Our word for today comes from John chapter 14, as Jesus was having his final discussion with his disciples before he went to the cross. Quote, if you love me, keep my commandments. Wow, that's a startling truth. Our love for the Lord is expressed in obeying his word. Now, in case the disciples didn't catch it the first time, Jesus repeated it twice more in the same passage. Quote, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Continuing, he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He who does not love me does not keep my words, end quote. That means we can't claim to love God and deny his word. We can't love God and reject his teachings living in contradiction to his truth. 
For more on our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Republicans in both chambers of Congress continue to hold steady in negotiations, insisting that emergency spending for Ukraine must, must be coupled with sweeping changes to the Biden administration's mishandling of our southern border. Toward this end, the House already passed border security legislation, but Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer has called it a, quote, non-starter in the Senate. With Democrat sanctuary cities like New York and Chicago now overwhelmed by the flow of migrants and new polls indicating Americans increasingly view illegal immigration as a national security issue, where will these negotiations go? Joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Tim Burchett. He serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, and the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. He represents the 2nd Congressional District of Tennessee. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. So, Congressman, let's talk about uh, these negotiations. Democrats uh, reportedly, I was talking with uh, Senator Lankford on the House, on the Senate side, who's a part of the negotiations over there. Democrats walked out. Uh, is this a negotiation strategy, or are they doubling down, saying no border security? Well, they're openly Marxist, so I wouldn't doubt that this is this is what the, the line they'll draw on the sand. They want to destroy this country. They to uh, say we need border security is is like saying we need oxygen and, and clean water. It's, it's it's a foregone conclusion. The American public realizes it. And I think they realize they're just trying to stack the deck against America by allowing all these illegals in. And, and, and you know, I just heard the statistic about 100,000 kids that were unaccounted for coming over the border. I, I don't care your religious beliefs or whatever values you have, but 100,000 kids in the last three years that we don't know where they are, to me is, is, is and to not hear anything from the left, that is deafening. Um, we, this whole town's corrupted, you and I know it. We've had this discussion before, but now it's just the cards are out and they know it and the American public knows it. And they ought to be ashamed that we're not doing more for these kids. So the Biden administration, I'm going to be very candid on this, Congressman, and, and I think you'll appreciate this. Anything that the Biden administration and the left embraces, I'm skeptical of. And, you know, th they have never been strong on national security and, and the military. But now all of a sudden they want they've already given over 75 billion dollars to Ukraine. They want another 70 plus billion dollars to go to Ukraine. And, and they're saying we got to do this now. We don't we don't have time to address the border. But I mean, just thinking at it from a logical standpoint, our open border on the south, our southern border is putting this nation and our future at risk. How are we going to help anybody if we're no longer here? You know, you're talking about a country, literally Russia, whose GDP is somewhere between France and, uh, and Canada. They're not they're not what they were during Reagan's years. And um, we just keep funding these things. And. And, you know, we've seen the money, how it's filtered back under certain people. And now they, the economists are saying, oh, wait a minute, we're investing money in America. These people are buying missile defense systems from American corporations. The, you know, the Pentagon is. And then you look and see people in both parties, dadgummit, who own stock in these corporations. This is a very dangerous path we're on. It's very, you know, the veil has been lifted. The American public sees it. We've given $114 billion unchecked dollars to one of the most corrupt corrupt nations in Europe. That's pretty hard to say. And then you see Europe's not doing its fair share. 
Germany and the rest of them, they're not giving hardly anything. And they'll say, well, oh, their figures are, well, we're taking, we're, we're opening our doors to refugees. That is our cost. And they're equating some of that. I mean, you look at this country, we're overrun with refugees. We don't equate that to anything other than our own stupidity. So um, the deck is clearly stacked against the American public right now. And this is what happens again when 20 million evangelical Christians decide to stay home on Election Day. So true. Elections have uh, consequences. Congressman Burchett, I, w- I want to ask you this question. You're on Foreign Affairs Committee. So I- I've heard this from many of our friends on Capitol Hill. Is And they're not opposed to helping Ukraine, but they'd like to know where the money's going, and they would like to know what the game plan is. Do you have the answers to those two questions? Well, I'm... I'm one of those standing in line waiting for that answer. I met with a gentleman not long ago who just described some of the corruption and what the, you know, the actual troops were having to do to get supplies. And then these things were being sold out from under them and, and the money that's going to the oligarchs and all the leadership. It's just, just, it's, it's grotesque. And, um, and, you know, and you're seeing all this money that's flown, that's gone through some of these people back to Hunter Biden and, you know, it's just it's just too much. It's just too much. And and I'd just like to know, I'd like some serious accounting. They pitched a fit when we talked about some serious accounting on this stuff, and we still don't really have it. And it's just going down this route. And to claim that, you know, America, if we don't stand up, Russia's going to fall. Well, Europe ought to stand up because Europe is, seems to be the one that's standing in, in, in its direct path, not the United States of America. And when we disregard our own border, when you we have a country without borders, you cease to become a country. And that's what we're doing right now. Do you see Republicans dug in on this issue that there will be no funding for the Biden administration's efforts in Ukraine without significant changes at our southern border? I see some people dug in, but I see the rest just saying they don't care. They just want to go home for Christmas. And that's and um, and I think people ought to start holding their people accountable. Honestly, do because you're going to see they'll they run home and tell their people that, but their votes sure don't sure don't show that that line of thought. So I would hope you know what really needs to happen. They need to just need to be separate bills. Why is that a problem? Put separate bills up and let them fall or or go. You know they tried to right. attach it to Israel funding the same thing. Right. It just doesn't need to. I, I'm I'm a believer that you just we're here. We're, you know, as I said, we got to rush to Washington because these post offices won't name themselves. I mean, we're not doing anything. We haven't done anything in the last five years. Let's do some meaningful legislation. Divide those things up. Let's let and let let us look at all the numbers, and then we'll make a decision then. Well, that's you can what do the three bills: Israel, the border, and Ukraine. Well, the, the House did that. The House. Uh, Past funding for Israel offset with uh, taking money back from creating more IRS thugs, and uh, that's being set on over in the Senate. Yes, sir. And I think we ought to continue to let the American public know that. And thank you for bringing that up, because that's something that's always I get back home. People are saying, well, why aren't you doing this? Well, we already did it. We already have voted for border security. Chuck Schumer refused to do it in his own state. The governor of his, and, the, and, and the mayor of New York have said, pleaded with, with the Biden White House, do not send any more of these people up here. We cannot handle it. You know, they're, they're kicking veterans. They're kicking their own citizens out of, out of shelters. And then they're, they're allowing homeless. Here in Washington, D.C., of all places, they're doing that at a dorm or at a, at a college. They're kicking people out of the college, of their dorms, 
so they can allow homeless people to have to to settle in there. It's out of control. This is anarchy, it, and this is again, twenty it, million folks decided to stay home on election day. And, and the issue is, it can be fixed. By the Trump administration had stopped the flow across the border, and it's not so much the migrants. And, and I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's not so much the migrants in New York City, and that's a problem. I'll be very candid. I'm more concerned about those who are sneaking across this border to do harm to this country. And I've seen multiple. They're, they're now they're starting to get reports, which we've said for for a couple of years now, that there's Chinese coming across the border. Now, why are they come? How, they sure had to come a long way. We're not talking about somebody who's in Central America could just walk up the. They had to go over. They had to get over here by a boat or something. Now, what are they doing here? Do we know where they're at? And why are all these people on the terrorist watch list we keep finding? Um, what about the ones we're not finding? And why are they here? I think we could be in for a big surprise if we're not careful. And it would be a very dangerous situation for this country. Unfortunately, uh, Congressman Burchett, I think you are uh, I think you're correct. Congressman, always great to see you. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Hey, I wanted to invite you to my, my Christmas party for on the on the 12th. It's only 16 minutes this year. Um, last year it was 15 minutes, and um, there'll be no alcohol. There'll be a peanut butter and jelly bar, and I'll have Mountain Dew, and um, I'll have a charcuterie board, which is me with with um, with crackers and cheese whiz. It only lasts 16 minutes. Last year was 15 minutes. We can't squeeze it all in. But you know good and well, you go to a Christmas party, you're sitting there eating a, a stale hors d'oeuvre that your friend probably froze from last year's that w- nobody would eat. Let and, me go. And you got to have a conversation. Let me go. Let me go put it on my schedule. I'll see you later. Folks, stick with us. We're back after this. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. 
Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Monday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And, of course, there's uh, contact information for all of our guests and um, some action items as well. You need to be, uh, based on that previous conversation we had with Congressman Burchett, you need to be contacting your members of Congress when it comes to the border and this funding for Ukraine, 202-224-3121 is the switchboard number. Well, in 2021, the Biden administration changed federal rules that prohibited recipients of Title X funding from providing abortion services in the same facility. Now, this is something we worked very closely with the Trump administration to get put in place. It's called the co-location rule, meaning that if you were getting family planning funding, you could not do abortions in the same facility. Makes sense, right? because we don't want taxpayers to be involved in having to fund abortion. It's called uh, Reagan first did it, uh, then President Bush had it, Clinton did away with it, and then uh, it came back. Actually, it didn't come back uh, until Trump came into to office. Well, last week, a federal court of appeals granted the state of Ohio a preliminary injunction blocking this from Title X recipients, meaning protecting the taxpayers of Ohio. The court agreed that allowing Title X recipients to offer abortion services in the same location amounted to the indirect funding of abortion, as every dollar an abortion provider receives through Title X frees up another dollar that the grantee can use to subsidize abortion. Well, join me now in studio to discuss this injunction is the Ohio Attorney General, Dave Yost. General, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. It's good to see you as well. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks to the uh, to the fair city here of uh, or the district here in uh, in D.C. So let's talk about this. This is something you've you you fought for along with some other states, but only Ohio prevailed in this. Explain. Kind of a technical argument uh, relates to something called standing. Uh, Ohio actually was able to show a multi-million dollar drop in the amount of Title X money we received because of the Biden change in the rule. Um, So while the courts agreed with all of the states on the reading of the law on this matter, uh, the other guys lost on a technicality. What's next? Well, we're waiting to see whether the the Biden administration could ask for what's called an en banc review. This was a three-judge panel. They could ask for all the Sixth Circuit to weigh in, or they could uh, appeal to the Supreme Court and ask for certiorari. 
Any guess as to what they might do? I mean, they seem to be pretty rabid about this. Yes, um, and I have given up trying to figure out yeah. the rationale for their decisions. Right. This speaks to the issue of uh, of elections, quite frankly, when I mean, it's such a sharp contrast with the Trump administration in federal policies and federal funding, in particular, just on this one issue. And I could go into a host of other issues, which you have litigated on protecting the taxpayers of Ohio, but just the abortion issue alone. That's right. And this administration has been just lawless with their use of the executive pen. Me and my colleagues uh, in the various states have been going to court to try to hold him within his constitutional restraints, and we're winning a lot. Yeah, you really but are. For everyone, it's because they are so far out of bounds. But for every case we win, there's three others that you either don't see right. or you don't you don't win. Elections have consequences. They do. Uh, I want, and I'm going to go to that for in a moment, but but. I'm going to go back to the litigation, because I I commend you and the attorneys general of of the different states that in times past, it wasn't that, I mean, you had a a very important role at the state level, but you're now providing, you're that thin line between the overreach of the federal government and the Constitution. I mean, every time I turn around, the Republican attorneys general are getting together to sue but that takes a long time, and in many cases, these policies go into effect, and they're in effect until you can get years down the road to actually get before the court. That's right. And the other side is it's a poor weapon that doesn't point both ways. The Trump administration was stymied by lawsuits mm. from uh, right. the, the left, many of which didn't end up going anywhere, but they got that preliminary injunction to begin with and put everything in stasis uh, for years during the Trump administration. Elections have consequences when people say, you know, my, my, you know, I, I just don't think my vote counts. I mean, these are the type of policies that happen when good people don't vote. That's exactly right. And we saw a ton of Uh, conservatives uh, and evangelicals that didn't vote in 2020, didn't vote in some races in 2022. And both of those elections produced results that empowered the progressive left, things that don't remotely uh, reflect a majority position, but because our voters weren't there, um, we lost ground. Well, last time you were on the program, it was prior to the November election in Ohio regarding issue one and the yes. abortion issue there. But even the turnout in Ohio, I mean, we have 50, 52, 53 percent of voters turned out. But you think about something so significant, that's a lot of people that stayed home. It is a lot of people that stayed home. But at the same time, I think we need to recognize that we have lost the hearts and minds battle. Uh, we, The Supreme Court did a horrible thing in Roe in addition to uh, authorizing abortion as a constitutional right, which is not in the Constitution. They took this out of the hands of the democratic process. Right. And so for 50 years, the only debate that happened was in the courts. Uh, the People in the middle 
just said, hey, I, I don't want to get involved with that. I don't know what I think. It's it's makes people mad, and the courts decide that. Right. And so little bit by little bit, we saw an exit poll that showed, I, I think it was 57% of the people who vote did vote knew somebody that had had an abortion. Right. And among those people, even those that identified as pro-life, they voted the other way. Right. You know, part of that, because the court had it for so long, the electorate became lazy and even thinking through the implications and the moral uh, ramifications of this issue. General Yost, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. Thanks for your leadership and for fighting the good fight. It's good to see you. Let's make sure we continue to stand. Absolutely. We will keep standing. All right, folks, on the other side of the break, we're going to... uh, we're going to take a look at America's Christian history as, uh, as the left ramps up their efforts to silence people of faith. That's coming up next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And pretty soon we're going to have Christmas music because it's Christmas time. All right, as I often discuss on Washington Watch, Christians are not called to stand on the sidelines. Our republic was made not for spectators, but for participants. And as Christians, all right, we each have gifts from God that we're able to use in his service. Now, many Christians claim... I don't do politics, or that they just focus on relationships or spreading the gospel. Well, you know what? It's all of the above. This does not change our calling from God to be salt and to be 
light. You know, this country was built on Christian principles. The founders thought the Bible was good enough to build a nation on. It's good enough to guide a nation by today. We shouldn't shrink back from that. Join me now in studio to discuss this is author and speaker Christy Stutzman, who recently released a new book entitled The Spiritual Price of Political Silence. Christy, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. So good to see you. Thank you. And, and you've got a little experience in, uh, in the political realm. You yourself, you served in the legislature. Your husband served uh, in Congress and, and advanced these same types of uh, values. Right. Let's talk about this. But I want to read the, uh, the preface to just a portion of the preface to the book. You say, we must not fail to acknowledge that the ultimate goal of those who wrote and created the founding documents and crafted our unique form of government was to create a nation based on God's divine moral law. Exactly. And they said it over and over and over again. As I did a deep dive into their original documents, their letters, what they said, it's very clear. They only, and and they said it uh, many times just, you know, in passing, they would say this is only made for a moral people. Yeah, John Adams said that. He said that our our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate for the government of any other. Right. Uh, speaker Mike Johnson made that statement. In fact, if you ever run for speaker, just know that they're going to pull this uh, preface <laughs> in the book yes. and they're going to go through it and they're going to call Count you a Christian that. nationalist. That's right. That's right. That's their new word, by the way. Yeah, they're using that everywhere as well. Just try whatever they can to make it make others, you know, just create division and, uh, you know, paint people in a, in a light that tries to denigrate what they're right. standing for. And it's it's everywhere. It, it, p- part of this is t- typical leftist viewpoints. Right. If, if you can't argue the merits of the subject, you go to name calling. Yes, exactly. That's, that's what, what they've what they sung do. to. Yeah. So let's talk about Christians today in America, where we see this rising hostility toward mm. the Christian faith. What are we to do? I think we need to be bold. I think we need to stand firmly in what we believe, and we need to know what we believe and why we believe it first. Uh, so the first part of the book talks about our Judeo-Christian founding, and it talks about, you know, it shares the original documents and statements from our founders. And uh, there's no, there's it's very, very clear uh, how many people came to this country seeking religious freedom. My own ancestors did. You know, they were coming here because they were tired of being persecuted and, and run out of their own homes over in Europe, and they were seeking some place where they could worship God according to their own conscience. Uh, so that was always, you know, part of their reasoning for, for establishing this country. Um, and it continues today. I mean, we can't stop. We have to be bold and we have to be sure, you know, about what we believe in our rights and how we have the ability to still stand and still be bold. And, you know, we have to get our, whole, our own house in order first before we can help others. And we have helped so many people around the world. I was in Israel um, a few years ago, and our guide took us to the Mount of Beatitudes, and we read Matthew 5. And when we got to the part where it says, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth, he looked at us and he said, I just want you to know as a citizen of Israel that America has done this thing that Jesus said, you have been a light to the world world, but I want to ask you, please don't stop. And I had to think, why is he asking that? It's because the world is watching. That's why. 
certainly is. And uh, it's not always seeing the right thing. Yes. Uh, and I think the light is, is flickering. Exactly. Yeah. In, in this nation. Uh, but, but I don't want to run out of time before. How can folks get a copy of the book? So um, they can get a copy on Amazon. It's available now. It's released December 5th. So tomorrow, uh, Endgame Press is a publisher. And anywhere, uh, usually where books are sold online, they can find it there. So, Chrissy, what was the motivation for, for writing this book? Well, I, I heard so many people say, I don't do politics, uh, just like you said earlier. And they don't like the ugliness and the divisiveness. But you know what? It's actually our birthright as Americans uh, to be involved in our government. That was something that was assumed. But it's only so, ugly and divisive if we're not in it, exactly. bringing unity and bringing <laughs> righteousness. Yes. I mean, I, I, and it's uh, easier than you think. It's it, it really is. easy. I mean, you've done yeah, it. it. I mean, Your I'm husband's a fine arts teacher. You know, I mean, if I can be involved, anybody can be involved. And, you know, you know, so it's definitely easier than you think. And, and in the back of the book, I kind of share a step-by-step how to be involved in little ways, big ways, whatever you want to do. And, and to think, you know, I, I don't like conflict. You know, I, I, I I'm either. adverse to conflict, <laughs> but the Lord brought me into the political realm 25 right. <laughs> years ago. But it doesn't always have to be conflict. I mean, right. it's relationship-driven. And, mm-hmm. and I think people are afraid to get in it because they, they don't like the ugly things that are said. You've got to look beyond that. And just start building relationships and making a difference. Someone's right. value, someone's values is going to win the day. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I share the story in my book about my seven times great grandmother. Her last words to her family were, "Be valiant for truth." And you know, truth is what mm. I'm hoping people wow. will get from this book, and then also have the tools to use that truth to make a difference. Wow! Wow! What a great story, Christy Stutzman. Let me thank you for stopping by and joining us thank today you for again. Me. The Spiritual Price of Political Silence. Mm-hmm. Folks, be a great Christmas present. All right, tell Marlon I said hi. I will. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Folks, you can get a copy. You heard you go to Amazon and uh, check it out. Like I said, like I said it'd be a great uh, Christmas present. Folks need to be involved. And this is, we're coming up on an election year, a very important election year. And as we were talking about, elections have consequences. Let our values be the values that chart the course, future course of this country. All right, coming up next, James Carville. What did he say? We're going to talk about it. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. 
The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. Uh, as we close out this year, I want to invite you to join FRC in preparing for even bigger challenges and opportunities in 2024. As I said, that we're coming into an election year. We've got to educate Christians. We've got to encourage them with the truth and make sure they're engaged. And you can help us by making a timely tax-deductible year-end gift. And with your help, we'll be positioned, and I believe ready, to counter the left's radical, big government, pro-abortion and pro-LGBTQ agenda. And right now, you can take advantage of a $1 million year-end challenge grant to double your partnership. We've got some generous donors that have put that together. So every dollar you give will be doubled between now and the end of the year. And so we've got folks on our team standing by to take your call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. And I'm just going to tell you, I've said it before, maybe you're new to listening to the program. We don't get any federal money. We don't get any government money. We're not like NPR. We don't get corporate money. We get only money from folks like you who care about America and want to know the truth and hear from newsmakers themselves. So give us a call, 800-225-4008 and partner with the Family Research Council. On Friday night, Democratic political consultant James Carville, who, you know, full disclosure, is from Louisiana. I've known him back when he was in the, uh, the Clinton administration. He was in the Clinton White House. And um, he was actually pretty sharp back then. And now he makes news by appearing on cable television. And, 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 and frankly, he was fairly moderate. I mean, he's a Louisiana Democrat, then they're not too bad, or at least they weren't. Well, last Friday, he claimed that Christians in politics, such as House Speaker Mike Johnson, who he knows as well, represents a greater threat to America, are you ready for this, than the terrorist group Al-Qaeda. Now, now, don't take my word for it. Here's the clip of what he said. Mike Johnson and what he believes 
is one of the greatest threats we have today to the United States. I promise you, I know these people. You're talking about Christian nationalism. Absolutely. This is a bigger threat than al-Qaeda to this country. There's a pattern. There's a pattern to these attacks, whether it's warning of Christian nationalism or a coming theocracy. Such attacks are meant to intimidate and silence Christians, to stick their heads in the sand and not participate in the political process. Folks, we cannot let that happen. And with an election year approaching, we can only expect more of this. Joining me now to discuss this and much more is Ken Kulkowski, former senior counsel in the Civil Rights Division of the U.S. Department of Justice during the Trump administration and a former special counsel in the White House's Office of Management and Budget. He has also litigated constitutional cases in the U.S. Supreme Court. Ken, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great being with you, Tony. Thanks for having me. Your uh, reaction to uh, James Carville's comments? This kind of absurd scaremongering from the left is what the Constitution guarantees no American needs to be concerned about. You have here a balance of two things, okay? First of all, as, as we heard in your previous segment, so many of the founding fathers, they weren't establishing a Christian nation. They were creating a democratic republic where a Judeo-Christian moral philosophy— was a common denominator throughout the laws of this country that, sure, whether someone is an observant Christian or an observant Jewish person, you know, the fact that they believe murder is wrong, sure, that is related to their religious faith. Go ahead. It's a common moral currency. That's exactly right. And in doing so, they're not creating a theocracy because those same people my program. Yes, yes, indeed. Explain theocracy. Theocracy is government under religious authorities, where the religious leaders are the government leaders. That is theocracy, where you have like the ayatollahs in Iran who say, we interpret the will of Allah, we tell you what the Quran means, we tell you what Allah wants, and those shall be the laws of this nation. Uh, that's what you have in a place like Iran. In America, under our Constitution, the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment, these same people who believed in a Judeo-Christian moral philosophy also put a provision in the Constitution to guarantee that the political leaders would never be able to establish an official national religion and coerce citizens to have to become part of it. By, and that's the difference here. By, by, by putting one in the Constitution. No religious test. That's exactly right. And in fact, and we have it in two different places in the Constitution. One is to say in in the no religious test clause is to say that your belonging to a particular faith can never be considered a qualification for office. But then for everyone who's in private life, for everyone who never serves in, in a government capacity like you have, like I have, for 330 million so people who never get involved in that process, the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment says that the government is never permitted to make an official religion and then force private citizens to be part of it. But that's been turned on its head. It was until 2022 when the Supreme Court in the Coach Kennedy case 
Kennedy versus Bremerton but, School District that's got us back to basics. In the establishment. But yes. I, I want to I go to quoting from Bill Maher, whose show um, – James Carville was, I was going to use another name for him, but I, uh, so here, here's, here's Mar quote, Mike thinks God personally chooses, raises up our leaders, which is a very dangerous thought. Okay. Well, well first off, that's point one. I want to, the scripture speaks very clear, clearly to that. Yes. I mean, Daniel chapter two, verse 21, and he being God changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and acknowledge those who have understanding. Psalms 75. Yes. Uh, For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. God is the judge. He puts one down and exalts another. Uh, And then go to Romans. So if you're a if you believe the Bible and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you do believe that God puts people in positions. You certainly do. And, and again, sticking with the Old Testament on this, I mean, you're, you're reading all through Old Testament verses in that. This is not a distinctively Christian belief. This is also a Jewish belief. It is a shared theology. It's not specific to one particular faith. And how do we believe God does that? It's by moving upon the hearts and minds of voters in terms of who they vote for, that that is the instrumentality that God uses for that here. This is, and I'm going to go, I'm going to continue on because all this will make sense. We put all these pieces together. Mike says we began as a Christian nation. We didn't. Did you miss that day in homeschool, Mike, if you don't know that the pilgrims came here to get away from the Church of England? Well, actually, they had religious freedom in Holland, what they didn't have was a culture that was imbued with that faith that allowed their children to live in a culture that was constructed around Christian faith. That's why they came to the United States. That's exactly right. Uh, Bill Maher is missing his history here. He evidently has not read the Mayflower Compact and did not pay attention to the early sermons as those pilgrims came to these shores where they said that their goal was not to establish a theocracy, but it was to establish a shining city on a hill, itself a reference to Scripture, to say that we're going to try to live righteously in our hearts, in our families, in our homes, and for that to be a blessing to society. Right. We want our children to to live up, to, to grow up under our values. That, that's exactly right. Isn't and that what Christians are to saying today? So. Right. And in fact, and in doing so, the pilgrims were getting away from a national religious establishment in the UK. Because so it was they corrupt. were actually rejecting the idea right. of theocracy when they came here. Yes. But today, we have parents that are trying to escape the church of the secular. They're trying to escape. I mean, secularism has become a religion in this country. It's in it. It's taught in our in the temples of our schools, and so many parents don't want their kids influenced by that. And we this is this is where the line, battle line is really drawn today. Well, in in the same First Amendment that has the establishment clause, the very next phrase in that First Amendment also guarantees to every person in this country the free exercise of religion. And the Supreme Court has said three times just in the past decade, that part of the free exercise of religion 
is the right of a parent to be able to religiously school their children. All right. So let's b- move on and build on that. So I want to go to the next thing that uh, Marr says. He says, um, and he goes on, I'm quoting, and we have an Article 6 which says no religious test shall ever be re- required as a qualification to any office. N- Mike has never said that you've got to be a Christian. We've never said you've got to be a Christian uh, to be an office. So who's actually applying a religious test here? It would appear that the left— who does not like someone who actually believes the Bible are the ones that are applying a religious test because the Constitution and its re- prohibition against a religious test is not voters. It's not on voters. The voters can't. Voters have every right to vote for a candidate based upon the moral holdings of that candidate. Yeah, an example of what would violate the religious test clause is what the late Senator Dianne Feinstein said to Justice Amy Coney Barrett during her Supreme Court confirmation hearings, where everyone knows Justice Barrett is Catholic, and where you got that famous line that was said with this odd grammar like it was the Jedi Master Yoda (laughs) saying it, you know, the dogma lives loudly in you. That is what a violation of the religious test clause And, and that's like. what we're seeing increasingly from the left. That, that's exactly right. Uh, the OMB director that I served under in the White House, Russ Vogt, right. it was a tie Bernie vote Sanders. because Bernie Sanders was saying that his evangelical Christian beliefs were unacceptable to that senator and that that's why he was voting against him. So what we see in the hostility of the left is essentially advancing a religious test. It's, it's, the, it's the flip side of it, so that yes. if you have religion, if you have a Christian faith, not any religion, if you have a Christian faith, you either have to hide it or suppress it in order to serve in public. Yeah, they're That's the, ones, the message they're yes, sending. They're the ones who are violating the constitutional guarantees that every American has, both those in public life and in private life. You expect this hostility that we're seeing against Mike Johnson and, and other prominent Christians to continue? Uh, sadly, I do, uh, because it is in what we've been seeing even with the anti-Semitism uh, o- over these past few weeks since the terrible terrorist attacks of October 7 by Hamas uh, that we're seeing. And I think in that, too, makes the point that it's not Christians only. We are seeing a, 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 a concerted assault on the idea of anyone holding a Judeo-Christian moral philosophy. I mean, Jesus speaks of this in John. I mean, it's, if you have a hatred toward God, you're going to have hatred toward his people. Yeah, that, that's right. And, and I mean, we, and, and we have seen hostility of the sort in recent years, both against Christians and now in the past few weeks against Jews that yeah. we have never seen in the history. Well, of it's, it's been there against the Jewish people, but I think we've been talking about it on this program. There's no other way to explain it but spiritual. I mean, you've got this small country the size of New Jersey that the whole world wants to hate on. That's right. That's right. Why? I mean, you, you cannot explain it any other way than it's spiritual. If you hate God, you'll hate his people. That, that, that as you say, Israel is the size of New Jersey. Uh, and you have Jerusalem. You have Galilee. You have Bethlehem that so many of us are singing songs about uh, during, during this time of the year. And, yeah, I think there is a common denominator there. And we see it manifesting itself 
with hostility to people of Jewish faith and Jewish heritage and also uh, observant Christians. People of the book. And I, and I think that, you know, like for if, uh, using Mike as an example, because that's what we're focused on here, is that as long as Christians kind of remain backbenchers, they're okay. The, the left can, they don't like it, but they'll tolerate it. But as soon as they are advanced to a position of leadership, they lose. They lose it. Well, they're certainly losing it now. <laughs> so your advice, I mean, you've been through the ringer, you've seen it. Your advice to Christians out there? It, you have to be bold. Uh, as the scripture says, you know, be unafraid, be not afraid. Uh, that, that, as you say so often, you know, we need to stand. Uh, understand that these are not, these are not people interested in a negotiated settlement. They want to drive you out of public life. And so for the sake of your faith, for the sake of your children, for the sake of your community, uh, we can be lovers of peace, but we're called to participate uh, in, in this struggle and to take an unapologetic and loving stand for the truth. Yeah, well said. Uh, Ken Kukowski. Thanks so much for joining us. Merry Christmas, Ted. Merry Christmas to you as well. Well, folks, we have a responsibility. We, we, we really do. And, and we cannot shrink back in the face of uh, challenges, opposition, e- even, even the hatred we see of the left. And we, we don't need to respond with hatred as well, but love. And, and, and speaking the truth is not hate. Speaking the truth is actually love. And, and we need to pray. We need to pray for those in leadership who are standing firm for truth. And then we need to be prepared and pray as we step into the arena. As Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, we need to put on the whole armor of God. And we need to be prepared. We need to pray. And when we have prayed and when we've prepared and when we've taken our stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 